going on folks welcome to another episode of the Knicks wall podcast i'm your host kyle maggio joined by my co-host as always mike cortez and we're here to discuss or react rather to the ne- i wouldn't say that it's losing the lottery mike you know i would just say no. inevitably moving back once more is the best way i could put it anyway i'm not even i'm not even all that angry but please what, what are you what were your initial gut reactions to seeing us get eight because i was not surprised in the slightest I bet you weren't because you just kept simming and simming on the TKW offseason app, the eighth pick. So, <laughs> you, you, know, you know what's the worst thing about this? I, I DM Giverman probably half an hour before uh, the lotto and I said eighth. That was, that was the DM. <laughs> I just said eighth. This is before the Sims. I said eighth. And he, and he doesn't answer. And he, then he, uh, a few minutes later, he's just like, ah, you know, it doesn't bother me either way given the draft. But, you know, whatever, right? So I was just like, I'm just feeling it. Then I come into the TKW Slack and I was like, eighth. It just, I just knew. I go into my whistle slack. I was like, eighth. I, I feel, I just know it's eighth. Then I run the sim just to kind of confirm it. I get eighth, right? And, every, and we all got a big laugh, right? I, all right, of course it was eighth. Then I did it again immediately after. The second time right after was eighth. Then I did it a third time. The third time was eighth. Like, come on. Come on. So I, I wasn't pleased about Look, I, I think obviously there's going to be a lot of media jokes and whatnot about the Knicks and it won the lotto. Everybody's angry. I, I, I really am not upset that we didn't win. Uh, I think, Mike, you probably feel the same. seems like a lot of fans mostly feel the same. Uh, whether or not that's correct or we're just resigned to expecting the disappointment, but we haven't moved up in 35 years. Uh, I think 35? I like, think, we, yeah, I, you know, it, it's fairly outrageous. You'd think just off of probability we would have moved up once or twice. But, again, we don't really expect anything different. I think most of us just didn't want to move backwards. So, you know, to me, that's where you can kind of get the jokes off because that, that's where it's like, yet again, the Knicks move backwards. If, I, if we got a top five pick, I probably would have been cool. If we just stayed at six, that would have been cool. It's, it's just the, the it's like the extra nudge every year of just knowing, mm-hmm. like, while everybody else generally gets to move up a spot or two or stay where they're at or enjoy the lotto, it's like we just know inevitably we're always going to pick seventh or eighth. And we're always going to move back to get there. It just that—that's just the new normal around here. Yeah, I'm happy we didn't do this last night. I'm very grateful because I would have made an ass out of myself. Because moving back, I think I was just triggered by that ESPN tweet where no one really was doing anything, and they just like had the Knicks as the Joker getting ready for the lottery. I don't know why that got me so angry, but it did. So I was just asking for a base hit, just a base hit. I didn't want to move into the top three, and I, I knew winning the lottery wasn't really a possibility. In fact, the pick I wanted the most was the second pick because I think if they got the first pick, they would have had the pressure of taking LaMelo for sure. And then if Anthony Edwards ends up being a beast, then you have another 10 years worth of jokes. So I wanted the second pick. Would have been happy with six, four, even seven. Just moving down to eight was just such a nut punch. And then I see Mark Tatum smiling as he always does when the Knicks fall. And it just really pissed me off. But – Woke up this morning, clear head prevailed. There's still a lot that can happen in the top five where we can still get Killian Hayes. We can still get Denny. I think Obi Toppin becomes a much more 
realistic option here. And we could get into that in a second because everything we said for LaMelo in terms of making the Knicks fun, I think Obi fits that. And on the basketball side, he can shoot. He compliments Mitchell Robinson and RJ Barrett. So that's a check. And he's just exciting. He throws down dunks. He'd be a reason to tune into Nick games. And then Devin Vassell, solid player. So there are players there. It's just more of moving back again. Like, as you said, 35 years, you can't even like, like it's gotten to the point where just staying where you are is a win and we can't even get that. It's just yeah. like, come on. So the, the next point that I'm going to make here before I want to open the floor to you on, on some of the guys that you're looking at, uh, you know, first what I've been looking at here and just so we can kind of get a feel for the eighth pick, but you know, if, Again, and I always say if, and I always say these things objectively, not because I ever believe in the new hires of the front office, but it's always, it's always the test, right? If this is going to be the new front office, and if these guys are actually, you know, the smart, well-respected, impactful front office guys that they've been touted as being for coming here, and judging by what a lot of, you know, just fans and media members from these teams have said about our hires, it seems like that's the case, right? But if you really are, then you'll start to show it. And us getting the eighth pick isn't a big deal because you're you're going to get a somebody decent. And the reason I say that is because there's teams like the Heat, right, who no matter what their situation seems to be, no matter how capped out they are, no matter how many few picks they have, they always seem to find somebody. They always seem to find multiple guys every year, whether they're undrafted, unsigned, uh, bargain-free agents who are younger. They always seem to pick the right guys because they have a smart, competent franchise. And if they pick in the back of the lotto, it doesn't matter. If they get a, you know, mid-first-round pick, it doesn't matter. If, if they get a lottery pick, it, it almost doesn't – you know what I mean? Like, not, not that they're perfect, but my point is you see competent franchises no matter their, their lotto standing, fine guys. So, as always, brand-new front office, a lot of guys who are supposed to be developmental-focused or just well-respected wizards from other front offices like the Jazz or Oklahoma City. So, you know – Put up or shut up time. I would like to see the smart people we hire be smart and actually start to make some magic with the eighth pick. Because it really is not all doom and gloom. It really is not. Like, you just have to have smart people making the pick. And again, not that I believe it until I see it, but I, I would like to imagine that these guys are going to try to go get a, a player. And because of that, I want to open the floor to you because I think some guys are actually exciting with that spot. And I don't think this is as, you know – like the normal uncharted territory where it's like, we know the first tier. So who's after that? Like they, this has mostly been a, a top 10 to 12 of players kind of getting mixed around depending on who you ask. So I, I'm not all that worried, I guess it, I don't think it changes all that much uh, unless, you know, they were going to always try to take a swing at LaMelo, whether they're trading up or not. But um, what are you currently as of today, Everything is subject to change. There's no consensus, no clear tiers, I understand. But today, what are like one or two of the names that you think are just rock solid, should be there? You know, the Knicks will probably end up being able to take one or two, you know, have their pick of one or two of them. Who, who are those guys that you have your eyes on? Well, definitely Killian. I have four, really. I have Killian, who I think can fall. I remember Jonathan Wasserman said that Killian is not, on, not high on other teams' draft boards, as we assume. He could actually last until eight. So that's like the possibility. It's kind of like Wendell Carter in 2018 where he would have been good if he was there, but he wasn't. So more realistically, I think you got to zone in on Halliburton, Obi Toppin, and then Devin Vassil. And if you want to see those guys, 
it really turns into preference if you want the Knicks to be remotely fun, which that's the side I'm leaning towards right now. I want Obi Toppin. I think he complements the two important pieces well. He can shoot. And the thing he struggles with is what Mitch can help him with, which is defense. He's not a good defender. I don't think he's ever going to be a plus defender. But they need scoring. I think offense has been the problem, and that's a big reason we wanted someone like LaMelo. So I think Obi is an alternative to being fun. Then you have Halburn, who's probably the smarter pick. Good point guard. He can shoot mostly off catch and shoots. He's not really a creator. So the ISO ball would kind of go away, which is a good thing. And it's just someone that could set the table and maybe get the offense going in another way where you're not adding a star level offensive scoring score, but you are putting a legitimate facilitator, which we haven't had. We've had moments where Frank looks like he's going to take that step. He doesn't. We had Alfred Payton who was capable, but only seemed to pass to Randall. And then lastly, we had Vasil. we talked about it before the pod. Smart guy, does the good thing, like the things he does good is what's needed. Shooting, a lot of energy. Going to be what Knox was supposed to be. So I think if Vasil comes, I think Knox is really on the outs. So depending where that is. And then there's always trading back. You have Sadiq Bey, who's there. Vasil's teammate, Patrick Williams. So there are options. And then we have Precious from Bronx Native, Precious Achiwa from Memphis, who can kind of be like a point center. But I don't – with Mitch there, I don't really – entertain him as much but yeah that's that's what i'm looking at right now and then just to clarify the whole doom and gloom with falling to eight that's nick specific just because you in past times the front office has been so inept picking in general but especially towards the end of the top 10 i mean the jokes for 2018 they're still writing themselves with knocks over the bridges michael porter jr which is kind of a stretch but whatever and then obviously shay so that's kind of where the doom and gloom came but Walt Parent, Alex Klein, you have good scouts there, so I think this is the perfect litmus test for them. Yeah, and I've become more open-minded for guys like Obi, um, for sure. You know, obviously, when I'm first thinking about the lotto, I'm just thinking about, you know, all right, like not necessarily top, you know, the top one or two picks, but I always think like, all right, let's say we get top five or so thereabouts. Who are the couple names? And that's kind of how I think. Try to like toe the, you know, toe the line a little bit to not be too hopeful so that I can still get my bearings for everybody that might be picked. But at this point, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Vassell kind of speaks to me, man. I think that's kind of where – and you know I've been in on the Halliburton stuff too, and I'm always going to kind of want to guard above all else given the Knicks history here and the importance of that position in 2020. But, I mean, why wouldn't you want a shot-creating wing who has a high motor – who shoots at an elite clip from outside. Isn't that every free agent or guard that we've been talking about in free agency does those kinds of things? It's like, again, it's not that that this means he's going to be a home run or he's going to fit in exactly like I'm I'm saying or hoping or everything is going to translate because we know that's hard for any rookie, especially for the Knicks. But yeah, I mean, watching RJ's playmaking chops and struggle without space and struggle without other shot creators in the offense, especially guys who could shoot from deep, uh, and guys who kind of matched his energy and trying to run the floor and push the you know tempo and the pace, I, I think Vassal does those things. I, I, every you know game or clip that I watch, he, you know the motor is almost too much sometimes. It just seems like he's got a little too much energy. It's like I'd rather bet on that guy and trying to rein it in with somebody who's a disciplinarian like Tibbs because it's like at least you know this kid's gonna go out there and try to give you whatever it is that he's got. 
and then you give yourself a good chance with him. That's that's my like initial uh, early post locking into eight reaction was like, and, and I know like that's a name that's going around too. People are hoping that Killian falls. Uh, nothing wrong with that, but like that that's the way I'm kind of looking at it. You need guys moving forward who can make and take tough shots. This is the NBA. So if you're already good at doing that, you could rebound a little bit. And again, the biggest thing is you're not just making the shots from anywhere. You're hitting them from outside and at almost 42%. I mean, yeah, what, what else would I want? What else? Would, that's why we're talking about even the, the Levine trade was getting entertained, right? Yep. Because he can score. He could shoot from deep. And he's another wing who plays with a lot of energy on the offensive end. So it's like, I just feel like shades of a lot of what we keep talking about appear in young Devin Vessel. 19 years old, 6'7". I think that's somebody that I'd be perfectly fine them taking with eight. You know, uh, that's my my early initial take here. Um, Obi, I wouldn't mind anymore either just because, again, I'm not – when we're picking eighth, I'm not locking myself into, well, you got to take a guard because that defeats the whole take the best player available thing. So right here I think you take a swing. I've, I've seen enough from Vassal. I think the Obi thing could definitely be intriguing. I do think people downplay uh, what he is as a prospect a little bit because uh, it's not the flashier thing as we tend to do. But we'll see. I, I'm really not as worried as I am intrigued because the the possibility lies that they might be trying to move up to. You know, the possibility lies that uh, they might try to move back. Like, you, you never really know where they're going to be at. So, you know, as we keep saying, this is a good litmus test to see what this front office is made of, what they're about, what they're going to try to be about. So uh, one one thing I wanted to bring up to you quickly that I saw floating around on Twitter was this draft is wide open. Everybody kind of seems to agree on that to some, you know, different degree, right? So if this, if RJ Barrett was in this draft, does he go number one to you? Wow. Uh, probably. Yeah, I think so. Because Anthony Edwards is far from a sure thing. Like, he looks the part when you see him in spurts. But the whole resume, I think RJ's blows everyone out of the water. Yeah, because I was just thinking, if he had, if he would have had that season at Duke without Zion being there, mm-hmm. same stats, same program, I would just imagine the hype train would have been all about R.J. Barrett or, or, you know, he would have been one of those guys who was sort of like Ja, who was like, all right, maybe he's not first, but you know he's not going to go worse than, you know, two. Like whoever whoever doesn't take him one is taking him two. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting because I look back at his his rookie, his uh, Duke numbers, and I was like, yeah, man, in a year where there's there's no consensus top pick here, if you have those historic numbers at Duke, you're almost going to, Certainly go one, if not one, two. So something I thought about, not that, you know, him going at three was any grand indictment last year. I obviously think he deserved it too, but just something I thought about where, because I saw some RJ takes last night about like, would you rather have RJ or the number two pick and what? And I just started thinking, I was like, he would have probably pretty easily been the number one pick in this draft now that I think about it. Yeah. Because Wiseman should be the number one pick skill wise. But I don't know why he's just – like, people just don't like him for whatever reason, or he's just not a favorite. But, yeah, RJ – people forget RJ was, you know, big kid on campus before we tar- started taking Zion seriously because Zion started kind of as, like, a house of highlights sensation where it was like, oh, this kid's dunking all over little white kids, so it's funny. 
But once we started taking Zion serious and then he came to Duke on top of that, it kind of gave RJ a bad rub in the sense that everything he did would be measured against Zion. And that's going to be the case probably throughout his whole career, which sucks. But RJ was a baller and people, I remember when he beat Team USA, I think when he was 17 or 16, whatever it was, people were like, yo, this is, this is the next guy up. So absolutely, definitely top three. I, yeah, now that I'm looking about it, probably one because Edwards looks the part, but I think RJ's has the higher floor. Yeah, you know, it was just something to consider. Um, just given the very strange state of the draft and the discussions uh, going around for it. But, I mean, again, look, we'll see what happens, um, you know. Also, I wanted to ask your take on this because this is the trade I've been seeing since the lottery. Yep. So I'm seeing a lot of Warriors trade offer, specifically Mitchell Robinson in the eighth pick for number two, which would net them LaMelo. Maybe, I mean, I hope I'm not sounding like the Stockholm Syndrome fans who think everything the team does is great, but I wouldn't trade Mitch and the eighth pick. And I just don't think Mitch for the second pick is even remotely even for the Warriors. Like they just could probably get something better. What do you, what are your takes on that? I mean, I feel like this always comes back to how you feel about LaMelo as a prospect. Um, a lot of people feel like LaMelo's a can't miss guy. I think that's sort of fair given what he's able to do as a six, seven point guard. I think there's definitely reason to, I wouldn't say scoff, but sort of let the jumper concerns and things roll off your shoulder. But to me, this isn't like a Luca or Trey type situation where you, you, you like definitely can bet on them translating to some degree at the next level immediately. You know, I feel like that's when you make that move is when you feel like kind of like day one, that guy's going to be highly impactful. Just personally, my own take with the LaMelo thing, while I, I would have been fine and I actually did want him had they landed him, uh, you know, as a top two or three pick, but I just have too big a concerns with his jumper next to RJ to be able to feel like that that's the time you need to go get your guy, you know? It's like, I don't hate it, but I, I don't really love it for that price either. If you're talking Mitch plus the eighth pick to just move up to two and get LaMelo, now we're talking that you just have LaMelo and RJ and nothing. Nothing. So it's like, I at least trust that. I guess the way I'm thinking is, I feel like the Knicks can at least try to make sense of the roster a little bit if they go, okay, we have a young center and a young guard. So we know we need a couple other things around those two, but we have the big guy and the little guy that we need for the most part. We got to move some other pieces around. I don't know if I trust the Knicks going, okay, now we got two little guys who can't shoot. And we have no bigs. Now we got to figure out the big situation again. And I feel like that's where it gets ugly. Uh, you can make the case that that's worth it. And again, if you believe in Melo more than I do, that's fine. I'm not going to dissuade you. But uh, for me, it's just a little bit too risky. I feel like when we're dealing with a franchise like the Knicks, if they feel like they have a couple pieces, it's always easier to just try to figure out, you know, try to figure out with, with what they have first. I guess if... If, if they had, like, the sixth pick or the fifth pick, maybe I'd feel a little bit different because that pick held a little bit more weight. But it's like, if we're talking eight, I'm not sure the eight with Mitch is, like, in a year where nobody can really make sense of the draft is a wise, wise call. I'd be a little timid uh, is my point. But Yeah, same points for me, especially with – it's weird because I do think a wing or guard is more important, but at the same time, 
They they are. Mitch they is, are. Mitch is just better. Like if you are going to pair Lamelo up with one of your existing players, I think it's Mitch. Just because the lob connection, and I still think Mitch hasn't scratched his offensive potential yet. Like I still think he at least has a mid range jumper in him, maybe even a three point, depending how his progression goes. So I don't want to you know trade in that chip yet, so to speak. And for the Warriors, why you can take Wiseman who. Is a talented big in his own right. So I think that's the better question here is why would the Warriors, uh, when we're talking about what they're doing, I just feel like we always will overvalue our own guys, especially mm-hmm. versus what the other team's probably actually looking for. Uh, when, when you're talking about the Warriors, you got to remember, like the, those three guys fully healthy already are enough to win a championship. Yep. Like the, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond, they've done it. You know what I mean? They've done it with just other role players and won the championship. Those three are more than enough to do it. So all they're really looking for here is like, all right, well, we're playing with house money now. We got Wiggins and some extra picks. Like, what are we really doing here to uh, try to try to get someone else? And I'm not really sure if you're the Warriors. Like, if the Knicks' best offer is basically like eight and Mitchell Robinson. And eating Wiggins, now that I'm thinking about it. I mean, I don't know how the Warriors feel on Wiggins. That's another problem. I'm not as tuned in to how – the team feels about Wiggins or even the fans for that matter, but a possible deal where the Knicks could actually become an attractive partner is if they want to unload Wiggins. That's where it becomes a little more realistic. That's the thing that we always have to remember is like, this isn't just the straight up thing that we always think it is. Teams always need more incentive. Why would they need want to do this deal with the Knicks specifically versus anybody else in the lotto who can make probably a pretty similar trade swap offer, you know? So to me, that, that's what I think about. I don't know if that's going to be enough for the Warriors to get it done. I feel like they can shop that two pick around to a lot of places and, and probably get a better offer. Um, I just, like, as always with all my Knicks trade speculation, you know, type of things, I, I'm always going to feel like they're going to lack these player assets for such a long time that they definitely have to always generally step up with extra um, – you know, draft assets if they're talking about a swap or something like that. And that's when you have to decide if you want to actually do it or not. I don't know that it is worth it, given how far apart they are, uh, those six picks uh, in this draft specifically. But I I would be a little bit afraid to try to do business with the Warriors, uh, just given their, given their motivation. I just don't – I don't know that it's going to work out for us how we hope. But Right. And get, another thing – Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I know. I'm just going to say, as much as I'm known for like having big takes on these pods, especially for big moves like this, this is the first year where it's like the Knicks have gotten to such a weird and bad spot now that like I, I can't really have established strong takes on everything or most of these things because it's like, well, where we're at isn't really great. There's no certainty for the next couple of years either. So it's like I, I'm very – they have a whole new front office and coaching staff. It's like – I'm about as open as I can be to a number of things. Nobody's really truly untouchable to me. Like I can probably talk myself into a number of situations because they don't have a truly terrible situation. They have lots of cap space and picks, but it's like, I just, we don't know what the plan is, you know, and nobody's really hinting at it yet. So I'm just trying to like generally be pretty open-minded about what's going to happen here because nothing they do surprises me. If they try to use some of the picks that they have now and take a swing at an actual star, wouldn't shock me in the slightest. If they try to trade up and get a Lamella, it wouldn't trade me in the slightest with some of the smoke that's come from that. So it's like 
I'm I'm just more interested to see what they do than I am like waiting to be angry or happy about it. Like I'm more generally interested. It's like, all right, if these guys are what we say they are, this is a pretty decent situation to get themselves out of it. But I just, you know, I've been searching for like the hot take or, or the thing I feel strongly about. And all throughout this draft process, I simply cannot. I simply cannot. So we shall see. Right. And I wouldn't, I agree. I would not try and work a trade out with the Warriors because they're actually smart. I would try and target one of the dummies, like the Hornets or the Cavs, depending how the top three shakes out. Those are better teams to try and get into trade negotiations with, negotiations with, because especially the Cavs with Brock Aller's connection. That's another thing. But just the Warriors are just a smart organization. So if you get into a deal with them, chances are you're not going to win. So don't even do it. It's like, it's like the I, Spurs thing they always used to tell you. If the Spurs call you to try to do a deal, hang up. Exactly. <laughs> They're just trying to call to finesse. But, yeah, that's why I would trade back. And I think 21 has enough guards. Cade Cunningham, we've, I've talked about enough. Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuminga. So those they're good players in 21. So, this, like you said, this isn't doom and gloom. That's why I'm kind of more interested in trading back, even if it's a few spots, because you can still be in the neighborhood for Vassell, Tyrese Halliburton, you have Tyrese Maxey still floating around in the mid-first round range right now. Sadiq Bay. So there still are good players outside the top 10 that you could even get more assets with. And then I think a big swing is better off next year, period. I don't really see a star being available right now. Maybe Mitchell, but Mitchell's balling out so hard in the playoffs, the Jazz would be ludicrous to even consider putting him on the table. Like, it would have to be Donovan Mitchell pulling a Carmelo Anthony or a Paul George where it's like, all right, I'm, I'm done here type of situation, which I don't see happening right now. Uh, yeah, I don't see any big stars wanting out right. I mean, inevitably every year we say this and then two or three pop up out of nowhere and suddenly <laughs> we realize the situation was worse than it actually was. And and then we kind of go from there. But, um, you know, I, 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 I don't know at this point. I, I really – like you can't really predict it at this point. No. Because cause what we were saying, Beal forever, and then that died pret down pretty quickly. And then, you know, everybody talked about the Booker thing just because he was the next young star in a bad situation. And then the sun started looking good. Now it seems like, oh, yeah, you know, he's got his contract there. He's going to be fine there for a while. And then the Mitchell thing, too, was all because of the COVID stuff and Gobert. And now they're playing well. He's balling out of his mind. Do you really think that the Jazz are going to just try to let him go? Of course not. Of course not. They're, gonna, they're not going to choose Rudy Gobert over him. They're going to do everything they can to keep Donovan Mitchell. So, again, like, yes, guys can be had. Situations can change by, by the week, by the day we've even seen. But it's like for me at this point, it's like I, I can't really – whoever the star is at this point, I, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully somebody pops up next year. Hopefully somebody, even Sacramento. I know that the De'Aaron Fox thing has people in a tizzy today. Uh, <laughs> what was that? I, I just – he tweeted, he tweeted something that was actually pretty benign. He tweeted, I think he was referencing Kenny Payne, and he tweeted KP. And then, oh, well, sorry, that was, that was one thing. Uh, but I think the main thing, now that I think about it again, uh, and that, I'm not misremembering, he tweeted something about, like, he wasn't, trying, he wasn't actually trying to be funny. He wasn't trying to make a joke. He wasn't even trying to rag on the Knicks. He just genuinely tweeted, like, damn, like, the Knicks got eighth again? Like, like right. sort of how we were, and then everybody, the Knicks fans, went at him about like, 
oh, you're just doing this because it's the Knicks. You just, you know, LOL, ah. Knicks. And, and then he leaned into it and it was just like, okay, I actually did, uh, didn't mean it to make fun of you guys. I was actually like, damn, sorry for the Knicks again. But then he started trolling the Knicks fans. And he did like a dunk of his. At I saw Emmett. that one. Uh, then Berman went at him a little bit. So th- th- there's a whole plot building. You know, I like Darren Fox. I don't really feel sorry for the Knicks. I, I, especially, I just think this is just the classic Twitter. Everybody's in their feelings at night, and it is what it is. But I'd like for one of the Sacramento guys to get out of there. You know, Fox, Heald, Bogdanovich, all these guys are rumored Bogey. to be on the outs or, or angry. or Send one of them out, man. We need help. We need shooters or guards. You have three prime options. We will gladly take one of those guys for you. Call us. Call us. We will yeah, send you buddy. Perry. Yeah, do a trade, buddy, for Perry. That would be great. I think Buddy's the odd man out there just from – everything I've seen where I think a reporter asked him, what's your role on this team? And he said, I think he just said, I'm not sure he didn't answer. I forgot what it was, but it was very cryptic to the point where it's like, okay, this is nearing its end. So I think buddy would definitely be a great ad in MSG. But yeah, Fox, <laughs> that was funny. I saw the, the video of him stealing it from Arjun and then windmilling it. That was pretty funny, but people really need to save the Knicks for click stuff for like ESPN and bleach report. Those are the people that actually are doing the Knicks for clicks thing yeah right. like look normally it's the easy jokes to tell like like the the clown thing esp i didn't talk about it on twitter i don't even want to talk about it too much here like you you know the low-hanging fruit that they're going to do you, you right. know you know what it's going to be so it's like you're waiting for those one or two posts to be angry about so you can engage the posts that they're trying to get you to engage with just ignore it i, I promise you as a guy who's been doing that it's it's much more peaceful Everybody knows that a lot of the Knicks jokes are very stale. A lot of the Knicks jokes are very old. If you guys continue to care about them, you're doing the opposite of what you're saying that you're doing. Just ignore them. Ignore them. There's actual, as we always say, there's plenty of things to get on the Knicks about. Funny stuff, accurate stuff. If it's just, ha-ha, Knicks are clowns because fans were excited about the lottery and they fell down again. It's like, it's not even a good joke to begin with. It's, It's a bad joke to do six times a year. So just unsurprising but you guys got to just ignore this stuff too like you know save it for when you're angry about you know like when me and mike got angry about rj very clearly not being watched enough this season if people are just saying all he does is score it's like yeah then go get get angry about that that kid's been defending all year or passing and and rebounding it you know yeah then go get angry and correct it and say okay well you guys clearly didn't watch the games you know go ahead let loose if we're gonna get angry at every clown post like it's not possible there's too many clown posts there's there's too many there's too many of the same joke going around you guys can't get angry about everything and then tell and then tell everybody that you don't care or it doesn't bother you just let it go man let it go if you engage this is what they want from you just let it go yeah i felt i mean that's why i felt so shitty engaging it but i don't know why like the espn post just lacks such creativity i did like the uh nyk token as context that was pretty creative but, yeah, I felt bad after I took the bait, and I was like, oh, God, I'm one of these guys. I mean, it just, to me, is like you can almost – and this is me, like, not that I'm holier than thou or smarter than anybody, but I feel like you could always just make the same joke for, like, broadly NBA fans, and it's probably going to get the same traction. You know what right. I mean? If you Everybody likes calling somebody a clown. If you just say, like, fans getting ready for the lotto tonight, and it's just a, somebody putting on clown makeup, you know who that's relatable to? The entire draft, except for the person that won. So 
all of us are going to be like, ha it's funny because we're, most of us are going to feel this way tonight. When you just do it as the Knicks, it's like, yeah, man, we always move back. What else is new? Like, this, is, this isn't news here. This isn't a shocker here. We haven't moved up in 35 years. You thought we were going to win? Nobody's excited. We're all dead inside. Everybody's expecting it and angry. Like, I think it's more of the 2020 thing because everything has been upside down this year. So this was like the year to like talk it up. It's like, okay, the Knicks have been doom and gloom for the better part of 20 years. 2020 has been the ultimate opposite day year. This has to be a year where something good happens for New York. And it's just nothing bad, but it's just the same. I think that's more of where the frustration would lie, but not sure. Yeah, I mean, look, end, end of the day, the last thing I always say about the Knicks being the butt of all the jokes too, aside from – you know, you guys just got to ignore it if it's the same stuff over and over. Uh, teams that are bad every year because of themselves are always going to be the joke. Uh, growing up, I don't know how many Jets jokes I've heard because they're, they were bad, along with the same jokes I heard about, like, the Browns or the Bengals or other hapless teams that nobody cared about because they were bad every year. Like, and you guys want to tout that we're always relevant, which is true. So if we're relevant, no matter what, then we're always going to be caught in these jokes on the forefront. This is kind of what comes with the territory. We can't be relevant and then they treat us like the irrelevant franchise either. So if you guys are arguing we're relevant, this is kind of what comes with it too. So just something to be cognizant of. And mostly it's just for, nobody cares if you get mad or not, except for you. So just, just stop getting mad. Stop engaging. I, I don't, I saw, I saw the ESPN post. What am I going to do? The Knicks yeah. always make the wrong choice. Like, if the Knicks want to stop making the bad choices of being made fun of, they'll pick somebody good and it works out for a change. And then we don't have to see a clown post anymore. That's how, that's how you get off the board too. So that's the other side of it. But anyway, uh, wanted to talk, not all just draft lotto stuff while we were still here uh, before we get to the mailbag stuff. Uh, I know we want to talk a little bit of the, the Johnny Bryan stuff. Yes. So jazz assistant coach, he was recently hired as associate head coach, which is, pretty much the de facto number two. He's the consigliere to Tom Thibodeau. He was with the Jazz since 2012. He started as a player development coach and was promoted to an assistant coach in 2014. And like the theme, the current theme, Kenny Payne, the first official hire, was noted for his player development. Thibodeau was hired because of player development. Johnny Bryant's the same, and he's actually had a pretty impressive resume in player development. Damian Lillard, Gordon Hayward, and Donovan Mitchell are all people he worked with closely and the results speak for themselves. And he's actually really close with Mitchell, which is a good thing, not just because we want to try and force trade here, which likely isn't going to happen. It's just more that good players benefited from his coaching, so to speak. And RJ Barrett, we talked about at nauseum that he's a hard worker. So if you give him, give Johnny Bryant those pieces, I feel a little better. And it's funny the night before the, the day before, I was talking to a buddy. I was saying the best way to hire a, co a head coach, I think, is to start him off as an associate so he can work with the players more. He doesn't have to have that I'm the head coach, I control everything title around the players so they get cool with him. And then once Thibodeau's done, you move somebody up. So I do like this. And if it all works well, I would like to see him stay in New York for a long time. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, and I've been – a fan of most of the hires that the, the team has made so far. I think that these are these weren't necessarily flashy names, but these were the names of uh, intentionally smart, well-respected guys that they should have been targeting people like this for a long time. Um, so 
I I don't know what to make of which way that the team is going to go, whether it's developmental or they're going to try to take some swings and reload on a, on a win now type roster. But um, it seems like either way, uh, you know, a guy like Johnny Bryant's the right guy to try to bring in and try to like, you know, foster some actual culture uh, down on the bench there and try to work his way up and see if he's ready to take over. Um, you know, one thing that we discussed on that note too, Mike, is that Tibbs might not end up being the the end all guy you know of course he's a big name and everybody likes to think that big changes might come with it that's the point of that hire you make that move so people expect that type of stuff out of you um but to me i've always kind of saw him as a band-aid i think you mostly felt the same like if anything he's gonna raise the floor a little bit set a new baseline for whatever the knicks are doing and then hopefully he can pass the reins off to somebody more capable so yeah why not it be somebody on your staff we've seen guys come up like that before work through the organization and, and come up and be assistant head coaches, turn into head coaches and then take the reins. Uh, you know, I think Spolstra, uh, Spolstra is the best example of somebody like that who worked up through an organization and from a video coordinator all the way up the ranks. So it's never a bad idea. You do actually garner and build up respect with your players and your roster in a more personal way than you normally would as a head coach where you have to do a lot more deferring so you can make sure that the ship is running the right way. So I, I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I think it's it's a moot. And again, if that's their intention, that would be smart. Whether or not they intend to let him take the reins, like you should always be fostering an environment where you're grooming guys to kind of do that. If you if you're pushing the people, uh, you know, on your your staff to to be better, learn more, and just overall want to further their careers, whether it's with you or someplace else, that's going to be some place people want to go and actually work hard for. So um, it would be the right thing to do i'd like to see what the dynamic is with the coaching staff now i I think there's some interesting names there but uh, i guess we'll figure out a little bit more once we know what they're going to try to do with the roster but yeah and that's another key piece just to put a bow on it uh having following that blueprint of grooming a coach to learn with the players a key piece of that is keeping the same roster too a reason that hasn't worked in new york is the roster turnover. I feel like every five years, not one guy. I think Frank's the only guy left now. Is Dotson's supposedly in the outs? He's the only guy left from what 2017. Like that's that's pretty embarrassing. And the bigger note, uh, the bigger point here that you're trying to make is that actually, I was going through my phone a couple of days ago, some of the older Knicks pictures that I had, and I have this picture of the 26, 2016, 17. 2017-18 team, I believe, uh, with Kyle O'Quinn and all them. And they're all on the team plane. And I have X's over everybody who got traded. And I remember I started doing that because that year, so many guys are getting moved. It was like, mm-hmm. the, you know, O'Quinn was gone. Doug McDermott was gone. KP, of course, eventually was gone. Hernan Gomez was gone. And the only two that were unchecked in that picture were Frank and Dotson. And then those were the only two that ended up kind of hanging around. And it's funny because they're still in the rookie deals. Like, how, how are those guys the longest standing ones after all of this? You know, and, and, and it's just funny to look from a picture not even two years ago and see everybody gone. Everybody. Sad. And, and then a whole new roster brought in, and then all those guys gone. It's like there, there should be more guys sticking here. So to your point, yeah, it, it's a big issue here, the continuity, whether it's on the, the front office or the, the head coaching, which never seems to last more than a year and a half to two years anymore. The roster when guys can't stay on this roster for more than a year and a half to two years it, it's an issue because what are you building at that point you're not building anything this is just you're, you're signing guys as stop gaps 
across all facets of your franchise and then getting angry that there's no results. But nobody's getting time to work together. Nobody's getting time to grow together. Uh, and, and worse than that, they don't get a chance to because all the guys that you brought in stink. So it's like the perfect storm of bad, bad stuff. So again, it seems like the guys that they've hired are all well-respected and, you know, that that's good. That's what you want. Uh, it stinks that for us as fans, we can't do anything more than think about what this might look like and whenever they start playing again, which may be who knows at this point. Uh, Adam Silver said they might push the games back depending on when the fans can get in. So uh, I, I, I don't know. A lot, lot, of, lot of questions here, but at least we know if they're going to pick eighth now. At least we kind of know what the staff is and who they're going to mostly be looking at. And hopefully we start to get some rumors uh, based on who they like or are planning on doing with that pick so that we can actually start to uh, sink our teeth into some analysis about what this new regime is thinking. Yeah, but, couldn't agree more. Uh, on that note, I want to quickly just get to uh, some of the mailbag questions we got. Um, you know, some wider ranging stuff. So first from uh, our boy Keith here at Keith Kill. So many potential questions, but I'll leave this one. Is Kira Lewis worth taking at eight? From everything I'm hearing about him, I am intrigued. Hmm. I do like Kira Lewis. See, this is a perfect person to trade back for because I don't know if he's bona fide top 10, certainly top 20 at this point. So I think if a deal prevents itself, presents itself to move back a few spots, nothing crazy, yeah, I would definitely take him. Uh, also, while we're on here, required reading – James Woodruff did a great profile on him. Make sure you read that. The reason I'm telling you to read that is Kira has the tools. It's the question around him is his feel for the game, which is where what I mean is can he be a facilitator in addition to being lightning quick? You know, so definitely somebody I would definitely consider worth trading back for. Okay. Uh, fair is fair. Um we got from Kobe Bean Burner, not really a question, but a reaction. I'm a younger Knicks fan, 23, uh, but this team has let me down, disappointed me, and lied to me so, so many times over the years that I really don't get hurt by anything related to the Knicks anymore. I had zero reaction last night. Uh, I, I responded to this tweet, but I just want to say it in the pod. That mindset is my mindset for most of what I discuss in this podcast. So when you guys wonder why I'm a wet blanket or you guys want to say that I'm mopey about certain, you know, anything, right? It's because we watch every game, every next season. We watch all these young guys. We watch them make these picks. We watch them hire these guys. We, we talk about what changes might come. And then every regime, every player that gets taken, every guy that comes in to help turn things around, when that keeps not happening, this is what you get as fans. And, you know, the only thing of note that I'm going to say here is, is our man here is 23 years old and saying that that's young in terms of fan, like fandom age. That's young. Yeah. Like I, I'm 29. I'm not even old, but it's like just being through the Knicks cycles and seeing it so many times every two or three years, like the, it, the pace is speeding up for that cycle now with the younger fans. So many younger fans are like, I've heard this so many more times and it's, it, it is disappointing because at some point you got to give these, these fans something to play for. Even the early Dolan age stuff, at least when we were hovering 32 wins, we could fool ourselves into thinking, you know, if if we make one decent move at the deadline, maybe that gets us into the eighth seed. You know what I mean? At least you can you can see the light a little bit. We've gotten to a point now where this is, like, laughably bad, like historically embarrassing bad. 
And it seems like every, we just grasp at straws now. But this is, you know, we don't like to see this. You, you think that I would prefer to feel this way, resigned to whatever happens with no emotion about this team? Or you think I'd prefer to be fired up and happy and, and want to root for them? You know, of course we want to root for them. You see when RJ plays well, me and Mike get in this pad, you know, pod and get excited. You give us something to get excited about, something actual that we don't have to make up, some, you know, BS hope that you're trying to sell us. We'll get excited. We'll go to bat for those guys. But they got to do their half of the job too. As fans, it's not our job to make everything rosy and the best it can be uh, and, and fool you guys into thinking things are about to be great. It's, it's to just let you know what's happening. So it, it stinks that you guys feel the same way I do because I wouldn't want you guys to feel this way. I'd like for you guys to be happy and, and optimistic and everything else, but teams got to do their job too, man. Teams got to do their job. At some point, they have to give us you know, their end of the deal here. Yeah, and the only thing I would add is part of that frustration is the team putting on the front that they want to do a process-like rebuild, which is requires sucking for, I don't know, almost four to five years, half a decade almost, just to get your shot, which I still don't think is that great of a process. I think the Sixers saying he just was that smart. So that's not a good process period. But regardless, they've been pitching that while secretly – looking for that shortcut swing. We saw it with the Porzingis deal that the minute they had a chance at Kevin Durant, they just lost their shit and traded the best player they've had since Carmelo Anthony and best draft pick since Patrick Ewing. So that's part of the problem too. Yeah, definitely agree. And this is why I always say like, great, glad they hired whoever they hired, but I need to see like some moves here. I need to see what it is that the plan is that you're actually going to put into place. I need to actually start seeing some results. The bar is not even like I'm asking for a lot. It's not like you're coming in inheriting a 35-1 team, and I'm like, all right, guys, figure out how to get us to 45. We need to be a top-four seed next year. Nobody's saying that. Nobody's pressuring that. All we're saying is, hey, man, we're tired of literally being the worst team in the league. Can you hire anybody to stop that from happening? That That's where the bar has gotten to. And every year they're like, eh, we'll see. <laughs> So yeah. it's it's like that. That's why I always say I don't ever feel bad about saying the Knicks are awful or talking about the ways that they're awful because they are. And as a fan, this is a fifty-fifty deal. If you're not putting in your half of making the fandom exciting, what do you think's going to happen? People are going to be angry, and we're angry because we love the team and we want it to be better. So all we're asking, just make the team better. That's it. I, I feel bad when I see comments like this. That's why I spent a little bit more time. Like. Everybody just thinks I want to bitch about the Knicks all the time. I, truth is, I don't. I'd love to be happy. This is my favorite team and my favorite sport. You know, I, I love the Yankees, but they're the only winning team that I have in any sport, and I don't even love baseball as nearly as much as I love basketball. So it's like that's where my frustration comes in. It's like you're ruining my favorite sport with my favorite team. Please just make this team good so I can root. If RJ's great, of course it's going to be enough, and, and, I'll, and I'll go to bat for him, continue to go to bat for him, and, and defend him to the death. But i got to see more good decisions from this team at this point because if not the 23 year old fans are going to be the 18 year old fans complaining like this you know where they're born into rooting for a lottery team and then 10 years later it's still a lottery team you know like that this is what you're breeding now with new knicks fans you got to be cognizant of it and you got to be aware of it the, the the knicks fans that watched the winning knicks even if they were later on they, they aren't really there anymore even though the early or not as online or as present or as loud the the people that rooted for the ninety, the nineties Knicks, the the early two thousands, right? I mean, it's not. You hear less and less of those people. It's a distant past now. We're talking almost a quarter of a century. Like, it's not as recent memory anymore. Like we were talking when the, when the mellow trade happened. 
it's almost a decade now. You got to give the people something new. That's all. Uh, but remember, remember Durant said that though. I mean, just to, not to expand enough, but Durant said this, and people got angry that the Knicks aren't cool anymore. That's what he was saying. He wasn't meaning like anyone who likes the Knicks is a herb. He's just saying the Knicks haven't really done anything aside from that golden year of 2012, 2013. They just haven't. That's a fact. So at some point, start the process moving up. Like, <laughs> yeah, lottery is so, just not fun. The the last question we got here from our man. Uh, Christopher Adam, Seeley one zero two eight, big big TKW supporter and fan. Um, who put the curse on the Knicks? What do we have to do to reverse this curse? I get the percentage was high for the Knicks to either stay or fall back, but come on, just a little bit of luck. Did someone put canned pineapple on an NYC slice? What the hell is going on here? Uh, <laughs> what direction does the front office seem to be going with when now or development? Um, I mean, these are all things that I have asked at this point. I've had my tinfoil hat on. Uh, I, I even tweeted last night, you know, same stuff I've been saying on this pod. I was just more surprised by us going backwards once again than I was actually being hopeful about really moving up. I just wanted to stay at six. Just give, just don't drop us back for one time. That's all that I was asking, and it happened anyway. So I don't know who put this curse on. Uh, I'm going to assume that we're still paying for the frozen envelope or somebody is blackmailing Dolan and, and just very upset at him punishing him at every turn. So I, I can't really speculate otherwise, other than I know once I saw the Rangers win the lottery for the NHL, uh, that there was no chance in hell that the Knicks were winning or coming close in this lottery too. That sealed the deal for me. So I don't know other than the universe works in funny ways that, or somebody has an actual vendetta against the Knicks and I can't figure out which one it is. And that's why it's frustrating around this podcast. Yeah, I've, this is very, I haven't done enough research, but I noticed the Timberwolves are for sale. I noticed when the Pelicans were for sale, they got Anthony Davis. I noticed any new owner, any team that's been purchased recently is in a pretty good place right now. So maybe a starting point would be getting a new owner, which is really not possible. James Dolan would be a fool to give up easy money. Right now they're still the most lucrative NBA team in the world, ironically, despite doing nothing. So I do think the curse is more of just Dolan. And maybe you're a Rangers fan, Kyle, so maybe you can enlighten me on what the difference is because the Rangers seem to have all the luck in MSG. And it's kind of like the Dominican Republic in Haiti where Dominicans took the best part of the island and left Haiti with the shitty part. So I feel like the Knicks are Haiti right now. It's kind of pissing me off. So the only thing that I can really say um, – uh, at this point with, I guess, the, the broad Nick situation is like, just moving back, man. I just can't get it out of my head. Just moving back. Like, how do you, like, what what is the beef that we always have to move back? I just can't get it out of my head. I, I understand. Like, I don't want to belabor it. I'm not even that down about it, but it's like just – the fact that we can't even experience like a lottery victory is what irks me. We can't even have that. Yeah. <laughs> like that's we and, and and again, our lottery victory wasn't even winning. It was just like, did we not move back? Like I feel like all of us getting three last year, we were thrilled because we didn't get four and five. That's all that we were looking for. Don't give us four or five, which in this case was like seven and eight. We would have liked to just stay where we were at. But hey, uh, it is base hit. Just a base hit. <laughs> a, a base hit would be nice, man. I just want to see, like, somebody who has some kind of an NBA skill. But anyway, again, uh, don't know who cursed the Knicks. 
it, it's frustrating. I, I'd like I'd like a change. I'd like a change. Same uh, here. The last thing I will say though uh, on, on the win now note. Uh, only thing I've been saying on this pod for a while is I actually do firmly believe that's going to happen. I just don't know in what way. Uh, I firmly believe this newly CAA assembled front office and and you know whatever regime is kind of formed behind the scenes with the Knicks. I fully expect them to be aware of all the, the picks, uh, the cap space that they have, and I fully expect them to try to go and get somebody. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do per se, but I fully expect them – like that. that's what this swing is for. You don't hire Tom Thibodeau. You don't bring in a bunch of super agent guys to run the team if you're not trying to get some sort of a star in by any means necessary. That's really all that I can think about. I really can – I don't know who it is that they're going to gun for, take a swing on. Maybe it is a Levine. Uh, and it wasn't this Booker Mitchell smoke that you know initially came out, but uh, that that's my main my main thoughts. I think that they're really all in on just hey man, we we did the we did the process or our version of the process, and uh, we're just gonna try to take some swings now. So we'll see. Uh, now that they're in eighth, we'll kind of get an idea, but we shall see. Yeah. So uh, on that note. Going to wrap it up here, I think, uh, unless, Mike, you have any other pressing takes that you want to get off right before the end? or No, I think we talked most of it. I think the consensus is it's not doom and gloom. We can still get good players at 8, 27, and 38. Like, it's fine. It's just more of a litmus test of what this regime is going to be because they've been touting player development and they're re- they completely refurbished the scouting department. We'll start to see some results. That's the first one up. And also be open. You mentioned Zach Levine. That's a good player. That's being entertainingly fun, like entertaining period, is not a bad thing. Winning 30 games is a considerable step up. I'm tired of sub-25 years. So, You got to start somewhere. You got to yeah. start somewhere. And, again, starting somewhere isn't just get to 20 wins and then just let the kids develop aimlessly. Like there's got to be a plan. There's got to be a build. So w- whatever – that's going to be – I'm at least excited to see what they think the plan is so we get some fresh eyes on, on, a, on a new route because the, the, the tank endlessly thing is not working out here. Uh, clearly, we don't have the personnel to do what needs to be done with all the young talent that they were trying to bring in. Clearly, they don't have the patience to even keep some of the young players that they did find, like Alonzo Trier, who we've talked about at length. Uh, and, and just not playing guys like Dotson or Frank enough to even see what you have. So, you know, if they're really going to go back to the win now planning, then all right, man, try it, figure it out. Uh, let, let's, let's see a bunch of new names in here. Tom Thibodeau. Uh, let's, let's just see. I, I'm more curious next couple of weeks now, now that we're locked in what the, the initial names are going to start to come up because we know kind of how this cycle goes. So I just want to start hearing what those names are. Next couple, I bet you probably two, three weeks from now, we'll start hearing something, and uh, it'll be interesting. So, yeah, it's it's time, it's time to make some moves. But uh, all right, on that note, make sure you guys are, you know, subscribe to this podcast, leaving us a five star rating and review helps us keep doing this, uh, which we enjoy doing for you guys. Which is a strange thing to say in a Knicks content podcast, but here we are. So uh, make sure. You're, you're doing that. You're following us on Twitter at the Knicks Wall, at Kyle Maggio, at Cortez Era. Uh, make sure you're reading all the good things at thenickswall.com. Our new TKW offseason app has been updated to reflect, uh, you know, the eighth pick that we are now locked into. 
Uh, so again, shouts to Ryan Gray for another fantastic uh, app, something fun for you guys to play with all throughout the summer. Uh, in this version, you can actually make a couple of trades. Uh, we This isn't like the 2K simulator where you kind of get every team or offer, but we tried to put in some reasonable ones that made sense for you. Um, so go take a look. I, I know the Levine one's there. I'm not going to ruin all the other ones. But, um, you know, as always, the free agents are there. The, the, the draft simula- simulator's there. Uh, and the only thing I'm going to say without wasting too much time at the end of the spot is uh, for just some of the general feedback, some people were complaining about some of the names in this draft being able to be taken at like pick eight or nine or whatever else. Um, because there was no clear consensus in this draft and really a lot of teams were linked to a lot of players, we felt it was best to not like limit the amount of scenarios that you guys had. So we felt letting it be a little bit more loose wasn't, you know, just for imaginative BS. It was more just, uh, this is a hard draft to figure out. We didn't want to give you guys less situations. And then it gets a little too repetitive for you either. So, um, that's about it, but let us know. We've gotten other good feedback that we're trying to incorporate and work on, um, but make sure you're running the Sims. Uh, give us your best picks at eight now, and, and let's see what you guys got at the, as the, the GM of the New York Knicks. So uh, other than that, we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. Take it easy. Peace.